Hi, I'm Deb. This is Frankie V. I'm Grant. Hi, this is Phil. I'm Aaron. I'm Steven. Hi, I'm Joe. Hi, I'm Matt. We're Tim and Terry. I'm Susan. Hi, this is Phil. Seminary Dropout is supported by listeners like you and me. Seminary Dropout is supported by listeners like you and me. You should support the show like I did. It's easy. It's easy. Just visit supportseminarydropout.com. Just go to supportseminarydropout.com. And I'm your host, Shane Blackshear. Interviews with leading Christian authors, leaders, and thinkers. Let's go. My guest today is Cubom Lee. Cubom, thanks for being on Seminary Dropout. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, please call me Q. I will. I will. I usually I like to to do the full name and in the intro, and then from here on out, we'll do we'll do Q. All right. Q, I don't know if I told you this. So we just hung out like last week at the Missio Alliance conference, which was awesome. We had a lot of fun. And I don't think I told you this, but this year I decided I was just going to do 12 interviews just once a month. That would be my rhythm. Uh, because I'd been lying to myself in the most recent years, thinking I would get on a, a pace more, more often than that weekly or something like that. And it just never happened. So what was fun was at the beginning of the year, I got to sit back and say, okay, if I'm going to do 12, who are those 12 going to be? And I thought of you and I thought, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want Q to be one of those 12. And I, and what was fun is, you know, usually I'm interviewing people, they come, they're coming out with a book. What was cool was last week I got to say, Hey, what would you want to talk about? And you said the evolving nature of Christian higher ed. And I thought, that is super cool. I'm really interested in that. I'm jumping ahead here. Why don't you introduce who you are, what you do? <laughs> Sorry, I'm really excited about the content. Obviously, give yeah. us give us a little a little bio of who you are. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks, Shane. I uh, that that uh, means a lot. Uh, honored to uh, be invited as one of the you know the, the chosen twelve uh, for this year. And uh, um, yeah, just uh, very honored. Um, yeah, and uh, so. I was born in uh, Seoul, South Korea, and so part of my um, background is uh, being a, a missionary kid um, and a third culture kid, because um, uh, uh, my parents moved uh, to Kenya, um, and uh, uh, I started living in Nairobi from age 10 uh, and uh, until when I was age 18, and then I came over to States to be an international student, um, and uh, that's kind of how I grew up. and. Um, um, uh, but um, I, I, I got, felt a call to, into ministry, and uh, I, shortly thereafter, I, I, looked, I started to get involved in urban ministry uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, for the last 30 years, I've been here uh, in the city um, and um, uh, just always finding myself in cross-cultural situations, um, and even as a church planter. Um, and uh, uh, for the last eight years, I've been... Um, uh, teaching missiology at uh, Missio Seminary, formerly Biblical Seminary, um, and uh, uh, also directing the doctoral ministry program. Um, so it's a little bit about me. That's cool. I didn't realize you were directing the doctoral ministry program. That's cool. How many students do you have? Yeah, it's about uh, on a given year. It's uh, about forty uh, or so students that are that are in the program. You know, at various stages, um, and uh, I'm also always trying to help them to get out of the dissertation purgatory. And uh, so, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the bane of doctoral uh, programs, you know, so. 
Did you always, I mean, always is a relative term, but did you always see yourself in Christian higher ed? Um, no, I didn't really. I mean, I think I, uh, I, I, I had a love, I, be, I, I developed a love for the ministry. And then I think uh, my, my uh, concern and passion for how uh, having more knowledge and wisdom uh, can really help us uh, in doing ministry better and more effectively and more faithfully. Um, and uh, so, so um, it's kind of a both and uh, type of a situation where, uh, you know, in order for us to keep on uh, growing in our ministry, we also have to keep on being students. And uh, I think that is that interest, that uh, uh, intersection of, of uh, both academia and uh, practice. I think that's, uh, that's what always uh, kind of animated both uh, aspects, I think, for me. So, you know, you're on this show called Seminary Dropout. People yeah. that listen a lot know that I am. Yes, I. people always ask me when I tell them I have a podcast called Seminary Dropout, are you actually Seminary Dropout? The answer is yes. That's really not the reason for the show. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the people that listen a lot know it's kind of a metaphor for what the show's trying to do. And some people think that I'm kind of antagonistic towards seminary and nothing could be farther from the truth. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like seminary is probably in my future. Now, if that's next year or someday when I'm retired remains to be seen, but I'm very much, I mean, the show is like, I'm talking to 90% like seminary professors most of the time. Okay. So, I'm I'm really interested. We had a small conversation about what Christian higher ed is going through right now. And I I'm just just go. I'll, I'll wind you up. You know what tell tell us the challenges for people who don't know for Christian higher ed right now. Well, I think uh there's you know uh, as as is the case right now, I think um in our world at large, I think everything is changing. Um and uh you know, I think uh, we kind of started to talk about that when COVID uh, hit. Um, and uh, so we, we talked about that quite a bit, but uh, I think uh, we do, probably didn't uh, quite grasp how sort of long rolling this 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 thing is actually going to be um, for, and uh, kind of touches on everything, I think. Um, I think um, we need to, think about some of the disruptions that's happening in uh, uh, Christian higher ed and seminaries um, in context of the larger higher ed uh, disruption, because I think higher ed uh, right now is undergoing tremendous changes um, and uh, uh, tremendous crises uh, that, that they're going to really need to deal with. Um, and, um, and, you know, seminary has also in many ways bought into the model of higher ed um, and, uh, and, um, fashioned itself in the same way, you know, so, so we have, you know, similar degrees that we confer, um, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we have to be examined by the, uh, you know, uh, similar accrediting kind of, uh, standards and, uh, and so on. Um, and so, uh, because of that, I think, uh, you know, what, what's happening at higher ed is probably like hitting seminaries and, um, uh, Christian higher ed in even more acute ways um, because it's also coupled with uh, all of the changes that's that the church is going through uh, at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's a, a less and less uh, people preparing to go into ministry 
in the traditional sense. Um, and uh, you know, and seminaries have uh, traditionally been taking in those uh, stu- students, so people who are this is going to be their job, this is going to be their career, you know. Um, and uh, so that's why you uh, go in to get yourself an MDiv uh, in order to. Uh, prepare yourself for this uh, career. And uh, we are finding less and less people who are uh, going that route. And also conversely, uh, we've got churches closing. Uh, We've got less and less uh, positions uh, that can be filled um, by people who are uh, who who basically you know got out all this uh, student debt uh, in order to prepare themselves for uh, this job that may or may not be there and uh, you know and uh, and I think this is something that has been going on for uh, moving in this direction for a long time but um, in 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 some ways the church and the seminary have haven't really taken that to account uh, too quickly I think people have been worrying about it and remarking on it but um, as far as preparing for uh, what that new reality looks like. Um, I think it's been fairly slow, and now we're catching up. It, am I right in thinking that even before the pandemic, seminaries were seeing their enrollments dropping? Just, you know, one seminary, I mean, one semester after another, seeing, okay, there's less, there's a slightly less enrollment this semester than there was the semester before. And, you know, that kind of snowballing even before the pandemic happened. Oh yeah, for sure, and um, you know, and I think there's so many different reasons for this. Um, you know, I mean, we we talk about the decline of the of the church already, um, and um, uh, but I think um, you know there there was also um, other factors that that happened. You know, which is sort of like the rise of the non-denominational megachurches, and uh, and and they have usually taken the role. We well, you know, uh, seminary education. This is. You know, not really relevant for us. Uh, they're not teaching us stuff that uh, we 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 need in order to run a church um, like a mega church. Um, so we'd rather kind of give ourselves that theological education. And uh, so uh, different networks. You know, we don't call them denominations, but we, de facto they kind of run as denominations. But uh, you know, these uh, uh, many of those mega churches have. Uh, Kind of said, well, we'll do our own training, um, and uh, you know we don't necessarily need to go the route of seminaries, um, and uh, so uh, and so they because they they there was this um, always this question of relevancy of uh, seminaries, um, uh, but and uh, you know I, I guess some of the uh, big examples um, you know of of that. Uh, you know, like it uh, would be somebody like Joshua Harris, who uh, famously said, "You know, I don't need to go to seminary," and uh, um, and uh, and so on, right? Uh, and, uh, and and I'm picking on him, but I'm I'm talking about like this is across the board. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think uh, th- that has been challenged uh, very much so in uh, in recent years. Um, and uh, so, as a result, um, I think uh, uh, seminaries have had uh, declining enrollment um, and. Uh, um, and they've, uh, I think, um, um, been wrestling with that kind of challenge for, for a while. You know, as you're talking about that, the thing that I can't help think of about when you talk about churches thinking, well, we don't need to go to seminary, it's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> I feel like there's a real theological crisis that have, has happened in the church and that that kind of idea that I don't, I don't need seminary. 
Like what good could it do for me to like learn Greek when I'm teaching the Bible to people or learn Hebrew? Um, I feel like there's, that's not been without consequence, that philosophy of what do we need? We don't need seminary. Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, uh, everybody's a theologian. And uh, so something is going to kind of fill its place. And uh, you don't just read the Bible on its own. There is a, there's a theological grid that we, and uh, you know, when we think about hermeneutics, uh, we, we, are, uh, we are using it uh, you know, a certain lens that uh, you, I think we need to examine our, our frameworks. Uh, and uh, and a, th- a good theological education will help you to do that. Um, it will help you to examine your own hermeneutic uh, and it will help you to get at your own biases. Uh, so if you, but if you don't have a robust theological education, I think that gets left uh, unchallenged. And uh, oftentimes we'll bring in some other kinds of things uh, that uh, we don't examine. And, uh, and then sometimes, uh, uh, and uh, I think we've actually seen this happen sort of uh, in the in the larger Christian world, where uh, some of those theologies come into the church, and uh, and then later on it starts to uh, uh, cause crises, and then we wonder what happened. Um, and uh, so I think there's a real need for a robust theological education. Um, and um, but um, you know I think uh, the probably the the mindset for for a long time, especially like on, uh, around uh, denominations that want quick church growth um, and uh, also church planters who are more entrepreneurial uh, has been, we don't want to waste time with that. We don't want to waste resources on that. And uh, so we're going to bypass it and uh, we're going to uh, kind of rely on our sort of marketing know-how or business savvy um, in order to uh, make uh, churches grow. Uh, But then I think there's huge consequences that kind of washes up uh, later on because uh, you know, we, we do, we, uh, there is a really valuable role that uh, theological education uh, can and should play uh, in the life of the church. Yeah, you're, you're naming something that I was also thinking that when we've changed all the changes that churches went through in the 80s and 90s to look function more like a business, if you're doing that, then yeah, you would need less theological training. If you're going to be a business, you know, um, and again, I mean, that's like, a, it's like a circular thing and you go back into the theological crisis because, you know, it enforces itself. You know, what, what, what's ironic about all of this is that, um, you know, higher ed had been, uh, becoming more and more like functioning as businesses more and more. And then seminaries uh, also imitated that. And, uh, so they have also been, um, uh, operating more like businesses um, and more and more. And uh, so, you know, so, so, so the, you see the kind of the irony here, uh, which is that, uh, you know, we are offering uh, a, a, a theological education that uh, is going to help you to kind of take a uh, more of a self-critical stance, um, even as you are uh, going about sort of the quote unquote business of the church uh, so that uh, we can be able to, uh, uh, kind of look at that in a in uh, from a, under the rubric of of our theology and uh, of our mission and uh, under the authority of the Bible, uh, but at the same time the logic of the business has kind of started to take over even in seminaries and in higher education, um, which I think is um, uh, kind of leading directly to, to some of the crises that we are we are experiencing now. Um, you know, a, a lot of the um, uh, uh, decisions uh, get too often made 
um, based on money? Uh, or, you know, can we do it, uh, uh, you know, is this uh, physically, uh, like, um, um, uh, can, can we do this uh, because, of, because we have enough finances? Or, you know, is this good business decision? Uh, and so on. And that's what starts to drive a lot of, and, uh, you know, let's, let's face it. I mean, you know, when you're in a survival mode, like many seminars are, um, you need to be thinking about how do we keep the lights on? And, uh, and so it becomes business decisions oftentimes. Um, and uh, on the other side is the, the uh, financial crisis of, of students. Um, you know, uh, how can they afford this? Um, and uh, this is getting out of hand and uh, they can't, uh, uh, when, when they're uh, looking forward to maybe part-time positions uh, serving churches, uh, you know, can, can I really take on this kind of debt? And uh, so it's getting expensive for them too. Um, and uh, so, you know, which keeps on driving uh, the crisis even more. Yeah, I remember when the the first couple times around when I tried out seminary, when you're in your early 20s and you and when you're when you're doing that thing, when you're doing the higher education thing in America, it, we've kind of conditioned ourselves to not count the monetary cost, meaning I'll just take out however many loans I need for however much money. And then over the course of my life, the next 20, 40, however many years, I'll pay that off. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is now, so I'm 40 now and I go look at programs and I'm like, what's the cost? And I'm, you know, a person with like, I'm a very different person than I was in my early 20s financially speaking, meaning like I've got a mortgage, I've, I've got to think about my kids' higher education sometimes. So now when I look at that, it's like real money to me, if that yeah. makes sense, oh, where, yeah. it wasn't, where it wasn't when I was younger. And, and it shouldn't have been when I was younger either. It shouldn't have been whatever it is, it's fine, I'll take care of it. Because we're seeing now the consequences of that mindset where people are saddled with student loan debt. That's just so burdensome and it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, there used to be a time, you know, when the churches could help you pay for your seminary education. Uh, they would even give you housing, uh, that was free of charge. Um, you know, that, that was sort of like part of the economic equation of this, um, that, uh, you know, you, you uh, can, can uh, kind of put yourself through seminary. Uh, and, um, but at the same time, it, it, in some ways, it's going to get taken care of, right? Um, and uh, that was part of the equation of this. Um, but I think uh, now the economic situation has uh, radically shifted. And, uh, um, and I think, uh, you know, less and less churches are able to afford uh, that, um, uh, that kind of a, you know, uh, salary for, for pastors. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, we, we all kind of feeling the pinch of, of, of the, this top heavy, uh, kind of an approach, uh, that, um, I think, you know, I mean, uh, we are kind of asking that question, like all throughout higher education, but then also, uh, I think, uh, especially in seminaries, you know, so, um, you know, and I think, now the the interesting thing about for me in this time of our in our history is um you know this kind of gives us an opportunity in some ways because it's it, it, there's a model that uh, we are we're finding that this is uh, starting to become uh untenable or broken um are there now 
new opportunities to think anew uh, about this. Because I think you know it kind of it helps us to kind of uh, start to strip it all down. What's this all about? You know, what 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 are we trying to accomplish anyway? And I think uh, for me, the the big question of uh, that really seminaries were there to provide uh, quality theological education and training for uh, raising up pastors of the church uh, for the sake of the mission of God, right? And I think when we strip it all down, we find that this is what we are supposed to be doing. This is why why we do what we did. Um, you know, and, uh, and then later on, you start to add in, you know, like, well, in order to assure quality assurance and, uh, and so on, you know, we, we got to be accredited because you don't want to just be some kind of a fly by night, um, you know, uh, kind of a correspondence matchbook school and so on, you know, who could be teaching anything. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, we need to have some kind of controls in place, but then that becomes more and more expensive, you know, as, as, uh, as time goes on. Um, so I think, um, you know, we, we can almost need to go back to what this is all about. Um, and um, perhaps then the churches, the local churches themselves need to start asking some uh, hard questions um, because for a long time, I think uh, uh, many churches have been able to say we've, we've outsourced that uh, to seminaries, you know, and uh, we can, uh, and again, churches have uh, been participating in this free market logic, you know, where we can kind of go out and kind of look at what our options are and then we can hire the one that we like you know it's kind of like a customer service you know type of a uh, you know like a regular employment agreement that that uh, that kind of a relationship with pastors um and uh, um but really the responsibility of raising up next generation of leadership has always been the church's responsibility um and uh, so the churches, when they're kind of at this existential sort of crisis and uh, asking these questions, I think they need to start asking, you know, what, um, what, what, in what ways have we contributed to this crisis? And what are the things that we need to do now in order to assure that, you know, uh, leadership keeps on getting raised, um, you know, because the mission of the church needs to keep on moving forward. You know, there have been... So I want to take a step back a little bit because you're you're getting into some of like the solutions which I want I want to talk about. Um but I think it's important to impress upon people just how much <laughs> the current system's not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. I I I feel like I I know that the model and it, it still exists. There's been this model where churches are a part of a denomination uh, seminaries are a part of that same denomination and churches give money to the denomination, which helps fund the seminary. And so there's kind of a, a loose connection there. And, and in turn, students who are a part of that denomination can get, you know, a huge discount on tuition at that seminary because their the idea is that their church has been funding the seminary through the denomination. I th- I feel like I have a strong suspicion that that's probably not working like it used to. One because denominations are dwindling, and and churches in general are dwindling, but specifically old school denominations. And there's so many non-denom seminaries and churches now, and also I feel like it's much more common that 
I, just because I grew up in a certain denomination, I may not want to go to seminary at my denomination's seminary. Mm. And so then, so then I've got to take a financial hit to go to that's right the, the, this other seminary, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you got have you guys seen that dynamic at, at Missio? Missio is non denominational, correct? It's non denominational, and um, yeah. and as a result of that, I think we are the ones that feel uh, sort of the financial burdens uh, faster. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, denominational uh, support and uh, endowment and uh, uh, those kinds of things can actually kind of take you uh, pretty far, um, you know, and as far as uh, sort of financial stability and so on is concerned. And so they don't necessarily, they can keep on kind of punting it down the road, um, you know, as, uh, and gives them a little more luxury to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, um, uh, but I think we do need to kind of uh, take into account how uh, across the board it's, it's uh, we are kind of facing some some of those uh, very same questions, uh, which is you know uh, that the next generation of leadership, um, yeah, they're, they're not coming up, um, you know, as as they used to, and then uh, we're not raising them up as we, as we used to. But then um, also you know the the uh, the shrinking number of churches uh, that are going to need pastors and. Uh, um, ministry trained ministry professionals. Um, you know, I think these are uh, that's, that's across the board. I think you know, and uh, so yeah, it's it's gonna hit all of us at one some point or another. I think. Yeah, I I fear, and I've seen this on the undergrad level. It's like there's a there's a crash coming, and we're gonna have to think of some kind of like radical ideas to 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 save us from that crash and i fear that most people are too in love with the old ways of doing things that it's gonna be too little too late for a lot of institutions and and they're just not gonna exist anymore which is there's like a sadness to that you know because some of them they've been historical institutions they meant a lot of things to a lot of people and they're just not going to survive in a way. Yeah, we're going to be losing a lot of a lot of things. I think um, unless uh, we uh, make a concerted effort to um, not only preserve uh, uh, those uh, those things, but um, but find uh, really uh, new ways of um, keep the keep the keeping the, the, some of that life going, um, and uh, it could be very different forms and. Um, uh, and those are uh, experimentations that I think we all of us need to be. Uh, we we need uh, some kind. We need to be engaged in that. I think uh, you know all of us. Uh, if we um, if we love the church, if we love um, uh, Christian uh, mission uh, continuing, uh, I think we have to think about how are we investing into raising up new leadership. Uh, into the future generations, uh, because if we're not, then you know, we if we're just only concerned about just our own spiritual life and our own spirit, you know, local congregation, I think, uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we're going to find that uh, it's going to come and affect all of us. Yeah, that's right. I think when I think about it, I think it's it's sad for prospective students, would be students. It's also sad for you know people like yourself who are gifted teachers and just the institution. It is not going to be able to 
provide what it's provided in the past. I mentioned to you last week a friend of mine who was teaching uh, history and Christian history. Got his he's got his doctorate, and his his seminary got very small seminary, got closed down. And, you know, he shopped around for other jobs for a while and just ultimately decided to, to give up. And he's going to go into some other kind of line of work. And I just think how sad he spent. He spent a lot of time and resources getting that doctorate and, you know, assumedly did that because that's what he loved and wanted to do. And that's just not for him anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, kind of... Um gets at a little bit of um, how do we, as a church, you know, big C church, right? Um, how do we um, steward these gifts, right? Uh, because these are gifts to the church, um, you know, some, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we kind of kind of talk a little bit about, uh, and sometimes I've heard, uh, you know, wow, we got so many PhDs and then, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, uh, uh, and but at the same time, I I, I do right. They they have they have gifts that the uh, that they have been uh, it's been given to them, and uh, they and then it's also it's a gift to the church uh, for its perfecting, for its maturing. And um, now I think we need to be thinking: How do we steward these gifts well as a as a community of Christ? Um, because uh, instead of just kind of saying, you know, eh, well, you know. Uh, you uh, survival of the fittest, and uh, you know, so uh, that's how the, that's how it goes. Uh, but I think we need to be able to say, you know, uh, we we need this for the sake of the, uh, the, the our life together, for the mission of the church, and uh, so how do we steward this well? Yeah, that's right. And that, I think what I was getting at is, it, yeah, it's it's sad for the would be students, it's sad for the would be faculty, but ultimately the church is the one who's losing out, and the and I think. The, one of the big problems with what you named as the kind of survival of the fittest, you know, let's just see who's, you know, whatever, got the biggest endowment, who can survive this, is that I, and I think you've got some words for this too, I'd prefer for there to be Christian higher education in my local context, to not have to go across the country because that's the the one seminary that survived, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the thing about higher ed for the last uh, couple of decades has been, you know, online education is it's like the savior of all things. And uh, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's so uh, interesting because I think students themselves have been conditioned uh, to want, prefer uh, online education uh, because it's convenient uh, and that it's, you know, it's a... Um, they can kind of fold it in into the regular part of their life, and uh, and uh, and and there's there's definitely so many benefits I think to online education. But um, I think one of the things that I uh, constantly come back to is um, it, uh, theological education. If we want to really practice it well, um, has to be localized, embodied knowledge, um, and uh, we are. Uh, you know, we, we're not just simply sort of like ghosts in the machine that just kind of, you know, download information into our uh, uh, heads like Neo gets, uh, you know, uh, Kung Fu skills downloaded into his uh, his brain. I think it's, it's we, we are talking about like habitus um, and uh, 
uh, you know, uh, the, the ways in which we do theology, uh, is, uh, it's uh, imitated rather than just simply, you know, kind of passed down, uh, like downloaded into our brains. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, so we, we do need to have, and this is kind of, you know, the, the way that early church did it. You know, you, you have disciples and uh, you, you live together. Uh, Paul has sort, of, has sort of like a traveling seminary with him, you know, and, uh, and you, do, you do ministry together. You are, you are, you are doing this. Um, and in the, in, in the process, um, theology uh, is done together by that community. And, uh, and this is how students learn and uh, grow and get cultivated and the next generation of leaders get raised up. Um, and uh, for, because of our uh, sort of buying into the higher ed model, I think sometimes uh, that that localized knowledge I think has 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 been lost um, because we are we are outsourcing everything and um, uh, and then so that the church can you know worry about just its own growing its own 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 local church, um, but perhaps uh, this is a way a call call for us to get back to some of those things um, and um, maybe swim against the tide of. This sort of like avalanche of um, you know online uh, approaches, uh, you know, uh, customized, uh, sort of packaged, uh, uh, disembodied education that is you know uh, for the customer uh, who's paying for for a degree. I think uh, there's there's much more to it than that, um, and I don't want to denigrate again. You know, online education. I think it's got a place, but I think we we do need to really recapture what it means for us to that the church is the steward of of uh, leadership uh, and mentoring and discipleship. Well, I think that when we talk about the old models being broken, that we're going to have to change or die, uh, my, the first place my mind goes is online. Like, oh, well, we've, we've got to go online. I think most people do too, but you're pushing back on that because you think that Christian higher ed needs to also have a contextual component and uh an embodied component as well is, is that right yeah I, I i think um and i'm getting more and more convinced about this um that um everything that the uh that you know we see um jesus and the disciples do in the new testament is it's all contextual um it's all missional um and uh so the the kinds of uh, things that they would do in one context is not does not translate to another context. I mean, they they're they're always uh, engaging missiologically um, with uh, where they are and uh, with the people that they're with. And I think th- when we sort of have this blanket kind of uh, um, you know it's, it's sort of uh, disembodied, free floating information uh, out in the internet ethers, um, I think uh, on those textures which are so necessary for ministry, um, I think get lost. Um, and, uh, and it's really hard to capture that, that uh, wisdom uh, that is uh, built up in one place over time. I think, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it starts to, uh, starts to lose all, all kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, any moorings to, to concrete reality. And, uh, you know, and uh, and then we again become uh, people who are speaking all the right things, but uh, not speaking to anybody. Um, and I think that's not uh, that's not what gospel ministry is. So, if 
just going to online is perhaps the easy answer, but not the good answer. You've already mentioned more uh, this idea of having more connection to the local church, more ch- church participation. And then you also mentioned the idea of letting go of accreditation. I think that that's like anathema to so many people. Like that's just a, like a, a crazy thought because we're so used to that. Um, what, so all that together, like what would that look like if you could dream of the perfect world where seminaries reimagined, what would that look like? I, I, I have no good answers uh, at this point, but I think uh, we can kind of start to get at some things that maybe could help us to be a beginning uh, to think about some of these things. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think we already talked about um, how uh, the local church needs to kind of, again, uh, take ownership of leadership development. Um, and, um, and I think we need to look at why did, why did we need accreditation in the first place? It's for quality control. Um, is it possible for us to do, get at that um, uh, without all of the expensive um, sort of you know, uh, structures that, uh, that are needed uh, for accreditation and so on, right? Uh, because what we are really after is quality uh, disciples, and uh, you know, there's uh, there's knowledge and uh, their theology that is uh, that's responsible and uh, not kind of like off the deep end. Yeah. So, and I have questions about that. So, is the reason that you would be a proponent of maybe dropping that is because it's very expensive? You mentioned this to me last week, and I didn't know all the ins and outs of this, but the accreditation process is very expensive. Is that right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in order for you to qualify for accreditation, you, you need certain things, um, you know, like uh, you need uh, certain facilities, uh, you need uh, some, a, a decent uh, workable library, and, uh, and uh, you need, uh, um, and then, you know, there's all kinds of other things that go along with that being an educational institution that's accredited, which, and uh, that would be approved by the Department of Education, uh, where, uh, yeah, you know, you gotta have officers uh, that are taking care of uh, certain things. You, you've got people who are taking care of student loans. Uh, you've got, um, uh, you know, uh, financial aid, and, uh, you, and uh, you know, all of that. Um, now you're starting to look at uh, a uh, uh, an operation that is that's huge, uh, right? Um, and uh, so. Uh, and then, you know, we get into the higher ed wars uh, because people are competing for students. So, uh, you know, like, um, and, uh, and seminaries have not been uh, kind of exempt from this, uh, like, uh, but um, the, the most obvious examples would be like universities that are competing to get students enrolled. And uh, so they start building state-of-the-art gymnasiums, uh, you know, like dormitories, that's, uh, uh, you know, glass towers, uh, and, uh, and so all those kinds of things. Uh, start now making things more and more expensive, um, and uh, so, um, and, uh, and you know, I'm not against accreditation per se. I think they that they have a there's a there's a certain uh, reason that they're there and uh, can they help us with the with the quality control. Um, however, can we do quality control in a in a less expensive way? Um, can we make sure that uh, there's good teaching that happens uh, without all of the all of that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and. I, see, when I think of unaccredited higher ed Christian institutions, I think of of Bible schools, mm-hmm. and and that's always thrown up huge red flags 
for for me because of the quality control aspect. Yeah. yeah. And and so one so then would you just be relying on your discernment on whether or not this institution is really educating the students well? And then my next question is like I guess if you're not accredited, you can't call it like a master's or a doctorate. Right. Or should we have to come up with new names for this stuff? And I think that, I think that for, for some people, like there's a pride in saying like, I got a master's or I got a doctorate. Right. So that would be something that we'd have to be willing to give up for a greater cause. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, uh, um, that the master of something, master of divinity, you know, it, um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's not a light thing. I, I don't want to, certainly I don't want to make light of that um, because it says that you've accomplished, uh, you've gone through this course of study and uh, you've, you've done it. And uh, so, so, you know, I mean, that's something to be, to truly like be able to celebrate and say, you know, you've reached this milestone. Um, and I think, um, but it, I think, um, I wonder about um, uh, credentialing in churches, um, and uh, and this is something that um, people have remarked on oftentimes. Uh, sometimes we would get uh, uh, ordination candidates uh, up, and uh, they can answer all the right questions correctly about theology and uh, so on. But then we don't, uh, you know, we we really haven't don't know this person, um, and uh, you know, we don't know about you know, their character, um, how they uh, handle different situations pastorally. And, uh, and uh, we, don't, we don't know any of that, but, um, you know, that is what we have. You know, we've got their, the degree and we've got their, you know, have they, uh, can they answer these questions correctly? And, uh, and uh, so, you know, we pass them and then later on, we, some, some of them, we, you know, we, we've, so we find out we probably shouldn't have passed them. Um, and um, so, um I, I think uh, we got to think about a more holistic way of credentialing people, um, and uh, and that can again I come back to the local, right? After you know, because and uh, and the, the um, my I, I and uh, this would uh, take a, a a huge paradigm shift, but it would have to be um, uh, uh, local churches that intentionally come together. And say we have a common mission in our city, in our area. Um, you know, despite all of our different traditions, uh, we we have a responsibility for the mission. Uh, so instead of you know kind of uh, huddling back into our own denominational tribes, uh, can we now start to come together across all of our ethnic, uh, class, socioeconomic uh, differences, and uh, come back? to own the mission together and uh and then we can evaluate all the, the candidates and the students and the leaders um on the knowledge uh that we and we are the quality control basically all right um and uh we are going to uh, uh look at uh, them holistically uh rather than just simply on bible knowledge and you know uh, uh theological knowledge but uh you know we're going to look at them holistically and uh and then we're going to, um, you know, kind of bring them up. We're going to be responsible for them, um, you know. And uh, it could be pie in the sky because uh, it's uh, it's it's not really necessarily a paradigm that we have. But um, I 
I do wonder um, about the, the I think, uh, you know, uh, again, it's a callback to the local uh, congregation owning more of what this is all about, um, you know, because it's it really they're, they're the ones that should should have the responsibility for storing this. Yeah. So that would be interesting if, you know, churches formed into kind of regional hubs for theological education. And I think in addition to all those barriers that you talked about, our, our socioeconomic differences, our ethnic differences, theological differences would be really difficult in that in that regard as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so might it look like a church, you know, paying their pastor full time or whatever, but half of their job is to go teach Greek and Hebrew to students or, or theology or what have you like, like, is that kind of the kind of thing that you have in mind? Yeah, I think so. And then, but then also looking to some of those folks with who, who really have specialized in an area, um, you know, uh, uh, folks, seminary professors who used to uh, teach um, New Testament, but now they, because the seminary closed, um, that's a gift that we need to use. And uh, so there are ways for us to come together and, uh, uh, you know, try to make sure that he keeps on doing what uh, he's been doing. Uh, and uh, um, I think there's all kinds of different ways that we could, this uh, permutations and uh, creative ways that this could look. Um, and then this, you know, and even, even though you might uh, not have a, uh, uh, seen this coming because of our pre what we said previously, even online education can come in and uh, play a role in this um, because, you know, there's, they're, they're out there and uh, we can uh, make use of some of this, uh, but uh, now it's kind of uh, given the proper context uh, within the local uh, economy of ministry. Um, so, yeah, I think there's all kinds of different ways that uh, this, this can be done, uh, but um at the same time, I think that this brings the center of uh, theological education back to the local context. That's so good. I, I was telling you last week when I went to seminary, I had just the completely wrong mindset, which was, and part of this came from the context in which I grew up and denominational stuff, but that I kind of needed, and this wasn't even technically true. I needed, I needed a seminary degree to work in a church and I just needed to get that piece of paper to move on and do what I wanted. Now I'm kind of almost indifferent to the paper. I really want the, the knowledge. Like I really want the education. And so now where I kind of would have thought, I don't really care, like I'm going to go to the most convenient place for me. Now it's like, well, here's the people that I really want to learn from. And that seminary does happen to be like across the country. Do people like me need to kind of change our mindset and think more about that contextual issue? Yeah, I think... Um... We do, we do need to think about, like, so this happens, uh, sort of like a fairly common story um, in the mission field, uh, where uh, a countryside church uh, would send a candidate into the city to get trained at a seminary that missionaries have started. Um, and then uh, the hope is for them to come back and, uh, and minister back in the 
in the in the back in their home village. But after four years, that uh, person has been socialized into the life in the big city, um, and uh, moreover, he's been educated in a Western uh, sort of uh, intellectual heavy uh, kind of a kind of a, a theological education. So now they're they're no good for you know, back home anymore uh, for that ministry. And uh, so I think uh, I'm just always uh, thinking about it needs to be uh, centered around where they're going to be uh, doing their actual ministry. Um, and uh, so I think that's the first thing. But then, um, uh, you, you know, with professors that you can learn from, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, we've got to help those professors uh, to also enter into uh, those contexts and uh uh, help them to teach within that environment and uh, interact with the kinds of issues that uh, those contexts have, and not just simply, you know, um, uh, do, uh, uh, you know, teach in the abstract. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- we've t- done different things in the mission field in creative ways, like theological education by extension, where teachers would actually have to travel to the setting of the students. Um, and then uh, interact with that setting. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not perfect, um, but at the same time, you know, it's trying to get at a little bit uh, more of how do we make theological education possible? Um, I, you know, I think we can keep on pushing those boundaries um, and uh, keep on trying new things um, for the sake of, um, you know, uh, one, uh, you know, uh, have a quality education that's the, uh, uh, theological education, uh, but then also make it contextual and uh, make it part of the life of the local church, um, all of those things. Um, and uh, and I think we also need to be looking at the, the length of theological education. You know, traditionally it's been like three or four years MDiv, uh, you know, where you just go away and then you just devote yourself to that. Um, and there's something to be said for that, um, you know, because you, you kind of go away and then just devote yourself to one thing um, and to be formed. But I think we also need to be thinking about like, can we, can we stretch this out even longer on both sides? Um, you know, where it's, it's uh, um, the, the young people that are being brought up in the church um, and being discipled and uh, being equipped for life or for, uh, you know, uh, life as a, a disciple, as a young Christian. Um, and, uh, and then it's stretching them out into like, as you enter into um, you know, uh, pastoral ministry or uh, leadership in the church in some capacity, um, you keep on learning, you keep on being a student. Um, and uh, as you are being a co-student, you're also passing down and mentoring others uh, be, and who are coming up behind you. Um, so that, uh, you know, education is just not some, only someplace else, but rather it just keeps on go, uh, becoming a part of the life of the church. That idea is really interesting to me because I know, and I'm sure you do too, folks who went and did the traditional thing, they got their MDiv three years, you know, running full speed, right? You know, full, whatever, 12 hours a semester. They don't remember half of that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like it was just, you know, they were naturally, when you're doing it that way, you're, you're studying to pass a test or whatever, and it's very difficult to retain that knowledge over time, which seems to be in theological education, a really important thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you, can, you don't want to cram it uh, the night before for a final, like uh, how I did my, psycholo- my psychology 101. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, Q, this has been really fascinating. I wonder what you would say to so much of what we're talking about is like, 
it would take a lot of time to develop these sort of things. And also I know so many people just don't, um, so many people in Christian higher ed are, have not faced up to the reality that this is not working and, or they think like we're, we're, we can kind of keep the old system and make a few tweaks and we'll be okay. And so until their backs up against the wall a little bit, they're not going to make huge changes. But I wonder what you would say to, you know, if you had the ear of, of a bunch of seminary presidents, what are like changes they could make right now to, I don't know, position yourselves better for the future? I think um, one, let's be open about going back to what the purpose of the seminary is um, instead of simply how do we keep this thing afloat? Um, how do we keep, uh, keep uh, the institution going as a business uh, and, uh, and so on? I think uh, because those are the, usually the, 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 the uh, preoccupation of the administrators. Um, but instead, you know, let's come back to the mission question. Uh, what, are we, uh, what are we trying to accomplish? What, what was this all about anyway? And then um, are we able to then uh, start rethinking uh, uh, how we do what we do based on that, well, based on that answer. Um, and, uh, um, and in the meantime, I think, you know, being able to own up uh, to how things have been failing uh, and uh, has, has been for a long time. Um, uh, but, um, you know, instead of just keep on uh, uh, um, spinning the, the, the wheel, uh, but uh, can we kind of get off it, off it for, for a little bit and, uh, and uh, try to reimagine what it could look like. Um, and um, and uh, I, I think um, for, for uh, a lot of those, those who are in leadership, I think uh, they, they do have some uh, cred uh, among churches and uh, uh, church leaders, and they are in a unique place, I think, to bring different groups of people together. Um, and, uh, and to be able to, uh, uh, say, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's own this together. Uh, uh let's, uh, own this thing called theological education. Um, and, uh, and let's, uh, hear it from each other and, uh, for the sake, and let's try to forge a common path forward, uh, for the sake of the mission. Um, so, uh, I think those are what I would encourage folks to, to, to start leaning into, um. So that uh, you know, we end up hopefully uh, at the end of as the during the process that uh, we're going to be able to start to see some new possibilities open up. And what would you say to prospective students, students who are thinking about seminary right now? What what advice would you give them when they're thinking about that? I think one, you are in some ways uh, in the driver's seat of your learning, um, and. Uh, uh, in other words, uh, it's not like, uh, you know, you go and pick and choose whatever you want to learn, but rather, I think, uh, you know, as if you're a student, um, then I think uh, y there is some responsibility on you uh, to think beyond just simply getting a degree. Um, you have a responsibility to grow into um, the role that God has for each one of us in the, in the mission of God. Um, and, uh, so there's going to be, it's going to be a teamwork. It's, it's, it's going to be, a, uh, it's going to be you and the community of the church, uh, the leadership of the, of the church. Um, and, uh, 
uh, folks who are educators, um, and uh, we all want to be uh, playing a role in this. And uh, so um, let's uh, uh, keep on dreaming. I mean, you know, we we you almost have to work with what you already have as a student, uh, but at the same time, um, let's be thinking. Uh, not only about uh, getting to that finish line and graduating and uh, getting that degree, but let's think about um, how all of this is shaping you uh, to be uh, more uh, rooted um, in the context that God has called you to, and then able to make you wiser and uh, uh, and uh, is able to make you um, uh, more competent uh, as a as a servant uh, in the in the Church of Christ. You know, we're as you're talking, I'm thinking like we're so conditioned in in the West to think of college and grad school, and then we've adopted this also in Christian higher ed that I'm going to go and get my education, and, and that's going to involve sucking it up for a number of years, where I'm you know not going to have much money and maybe go into debt. And that will propel me into a career where I can then make the money and pay off that debt. And, and, and that just strikes me as such a, a backwards model for people who want to work in churches or turn around and teach Christian higher ed. Like it's just such a, a backwards model for believers, I think. Yeah, I, I think, um, and I, I you know, it's a, again, it's it's a sort of a consumer sort of model, you know, uh, uh, because uh, you're you know you're shelling out all this for the, for the trade-off that uh, you're going to uh, be making things back, um, and uh, you know you can be uh, pursuing the career that you wanted, um, and I think uh, that's uh, um, and it's also very individualistic. I think it's kind of divorced from the community uh, and our responsibility and role within a community. Um, so. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we, we used to joke about um, how uh, in the Presbyterian Church, uh, you know, uh, if you're a candidate, uh, you're, the official term is, you know, you're under care. But um, oftentimes we would joke, uh, you know, we're under neglect. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think uh, this that kind of goes to show that, that there's a responsibility on, on all sides. Um, and uh, we do need to all uh, steward this, uh, play our role in stewarding, uh, you know, theological education and uh um, uh, raising of leaders. Yeah. And I also think, you know, there's been a, a stereotype within the church for a long time that seminary is where your faith goes to die. And I'm not, not necessarily talking about like deconstruction type, like deconverting type stuff, but just like where it's a, you're going to be so inundated with this academic side that your prayer life or your devotional life is going to suffer. And, I, I mean, that's all part of that that broken model. And if we could, I think, again, I think that's part of where centering it in the local church could help and dragging it, not not making your life, uh, you know, a living hell for three years, but maybe <laughs> spreading, it, spreading it out where you can have a more sustainable rhythms. I think that that would make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, totally. And uh and you know the the a big part of um, the crisis of the American pastors right now is uh, their isolation. It's they're lonely. I mean, you know, it's it's across the board, you know, uh, uh, in our society. But um, in the pastorate, I think this is so marked. I mean, it's remarkable how many people talk about um, how alone they are, um, and uh, 
And, I, and, I, and a lot of it uh, can be rooted back to like how we have uh, formed uh, uh, pastors. And, uh, you know, it's an individualistic approach to education um, and uh, kind of plucking people out of their context. Uh, and then um, and then even when you do receive a pastoral call, it's like, uh, you know, you're, you're getting hired uh, out of context and to this new context. And, uh, you know, where you don't necessarily have community, um, uh, but... Uh, you know, so I think it's it's a it's the the the, the um, uh, brokenness in the uh, in the uh, Christian higher ed I think has a lot to do with brokenness also within the church. Well, you mention people coming up for their ordination and you don't really know who they are, and it's you know they, you ask some questions and stuff. I mean, a lot of seminaries have codes of conduct and stuff like that. And most of that revolves around sex, which, okay, you know, some should be, but what if you could, but what if it was, it was such a community that you knew if someone, for instance, struggled with pride and that, 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 that character development could be part of Christian higher ed. And then we don't have these people out there who are, brilliant teachers, but have these terrible falls from grace because they've been living this, you know, double life or what have you. It seems like there's just a lot of potential for, for good in switching up the model. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, that, that is an area that I think we really need to explore, uh, in terms of how do we cultivate people who are, um, a blessing to the community, you know, who are vulnerable with the community and like, make themselves accountable, uh, to the community uh, around them, this uh, faith community. And, uh, you know, we got to have that um, um, as a part of um, their life as a student. Um, and uh, 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 too many, I think, um, students uh, kind of go under the radar with, with a lot of these kinds of things. Um, and uh, we just kind of let them be. Um, and so that's a problem. I mean, I mean, that's kind of part of that bifurcation that you're talking about of separating out like the seminary is just supposed to teach you. They're not supposed to like get into your life and your personal business. And that's the church's job and that kind of separating. Q, this has been so fun. Um, do, do you have any projects coming out or anything like that that you want to talk about? Uh, right now, I'm working on a project uh, and that's local to Philadelphia, but then I, I think it's kind of broader um, and its implication, um, and uh, um, it's uh, it's about um, a relationship between Asian and Black Christians, and uh, and how that should inform pastoral formation. Um, so when I when I talk about how it informs pastoral formation, I think uh, I'm talking about not just Asian or Black pastors. I think this has uh, implications uh, for larger body of Christ because. Um, you know, oftentimes people, other people can switch off uh, and say, you know, that doesn't have much to do with me. But I think it's got lots of implications for um, intercultural um, uh, formation and, uh, and uh, uh, more broadly, um, how the church uh, is supposed to show up in this world and uh, witness to the kingdom of God, which is made up of many different people. Um, and uh, so, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm kind of working on that and, uh, you know, uh, there might be some more news about about it like down the pike. So that sounds very cool. That's always the sort of stuff that when I every couple of years when I get to talk to you, you're like you're doing something super cool like that. So that's super cool to hear about. Um, Q, it's been so good. Thanks for making the time for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Shane. I appreciate uh, being able to talk about um, you know far out kinds of <laughs> uh, things like this. 
Thanks for joining me for another episode of Seminary Dropout. Remember, you can find all the show notes for this show and all shows at shaneblackshear.com. Oh, and hey, have you ever thought about starting your very own podcast? I bet you have. And I think you should do it. In fact, I've created a course just for you to teach you everything that I've learned over the last couple of years producing Seminary Dropout. So if you're interested in podcasting and want to learn how, go check out my course. You can go there by typing in podcastingforeveryone.org. And you can get a special discount by typing in the discount code Seminary Dropout, all one word. That'll give you 25% off. So go check it out. If you have any questions, let me know. Okay. Thanks to those that left ratings and reviews on iTunes this week. Remember, that keeps the show front and center. Also, remember, you can find me on Twitter at at @beardonabike. That's at @beardonabike. Also, I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash shaneblackshear123. And remember that Seminary Dropout is listener-supported. You can visit supportseminarydropout.com and press Become a Patron. Remember, this music you're listening to right now is by D.L. Rossi. You can find him online on iTunes and at dlrossi.com. All right, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Seminary Dropout. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Love you. Take care. Yeah, my best I owe.